This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Potodri for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round. Come and join them in Aberdeen's biggest and best beer garden. And even better, head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Retty or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Come on you Reds! Red slight of foot there. It's Wednesday and you know what that means. Welcome to episode 66 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott. Joining me this week, as always, it is Gavin J. Baxter and Graeme Steele. Gents, how's it going? Fine, thanks. Bit happier than I was last week. Yeah, uh, a much significantly happier camper reporting for duty this week because, gents, sing it with me. Hearts, hearts are falling oh, apart yeah. again. <laughs> Chin chin, boys. Yeah, chin chin. I'm going to crack one open for a different reason this week, obviously. Um, we'll get on to that in a minute. In a week that saw Hibs manager Lee Johnson find one of Jack Ross's stowed away wardrobes. That jacket. What the fuck? Either that or he's been raiding, you know, the prop set of uh, Only Fools and Horses. It was very Dell Boy. What about his, his, his post match interview as well? Whew. Um, oh, if, 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 if my manager came out with that kind of patter. Well, yes, exactly. Our manager on a shoogly peg as it was after last weekend's escapades. Follow that one with a 6-1 defeated Silk Park. And what was it? He should. My players should just be going in there asking all these boys for their shirts and, and tell them, how are you so good, basically? Lovely stuff, Lee. Um, in a week that saw us find out just exactly what Alan McGregor's favourite film is. Gav? What's in the box? What's in the box? It's Bobby Firmino and it's seven to Liverpool. And it saw Alex Cochran finally wrestle the worst Miss at Pataudry title from around the waist of Miles Story. It is another busy, busy week on the ABZ Football Podcast as we take a look back at our 2-0 win over Hearts on Sunday afternoon. We take a look back at all the news from AB24 this week. We check in with the women's team on their return to SWPL1 duty along with our regular Lone Watch segment and we'll check in with the young team. And after the break... We'll look ahead to a double header of action this week. Firstly, we'll preview the visit of Partick Thistle to Pataudry on Wednesday night in the quarterfinal of the Premier Sports Cup. And we'll do so in the company of the one and only Ray Bradshaw before we'll turn our attention to our first trip to Fir Park this season on Saturday in the league. But first, Aberdeen 2, Hearts 0, 16th of October 2022, the SPFL Premiership at Pataudry Stadium. And after a tumultuous week, Let's call it that. Following the horrendous 4-0 thumping at Tanadice last time out, manager Jim Goodwin returned to the dugout pending his appeal against an eight-match ban. Four changes to his starting lineup, injury and illness forcing Johnny Hayes and Hayden Coulson from the side, with Vicente Bajowin and Marley Watkins dropping to the bench to be replaced by Connor Barron, Leighton Clarkson, Duke and Jack McKenzie as the Dons 
lined up in a new look 3-5-2 formation. Jaden Richardson straight into the action and straight into Don Robertson's little black book with a challenge on Cochran just after two minutes before Andy Halliday was forced in the field with injury. What a massive fucking shame that was, eh? No, I think you've got that wrong. Delightful is the word you'd use. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, etc., etc. <laughs> All it does is weakens the opposition, mind you. True. Or strengthens the opposition, rather. Well, actually, no, it did weaken the, the opposition, <laughs> and that's a sad state of affairs if you're a jambo. Absolutely. Yikes. Big claims for a penalty from the Dons on 13 minutes. Duke powering his way past Nielsen, who came on for Halliday, who appeared to haul him to the ground, and with the referee waving play on, Keogh appeared to then bring the Cape Verde in down inside the box, but Robertson waved the appeals away. The Dons with another penalty call a couple of minutes later, and Nielsen blatantly handling a Duke cross, but once again, nothing doing by a referee who presumably just had his eyes painted on and was enjoying the final week of VAR protectionism. It felt like Don Robertson was out to, you know, better or worse and worser. His performance in the final game against St. Mirren last season, where he, of course, decided that Scott Tander's hand is the same shape and look as his head. Ah, uh, yes, yes. I forgot it was Robertson who officiated that one. Um, yeah, and we're not even nearly at the worst part yet. No, we're not. We're not. We're not even close to it yet. Um, where was I? Oh, yes. Miofsky probably should have done better on 28 minutes, latching onto a through ball by Clarkson, holding off two defenders well, but dragging his shot well wide. Hearts absolutely should have taken the lead on 30 minutes. The Dons caught sleeping on the left flank. Whoever heard that before? Humphrey's cross ball saw Richardson sleeping. Whoever heard that before? Allowing Cochrane to tap home from six yards out. But all he managed to do was prod the ball into Kelrus's hands on the goal line. Roos called into action again sharply to stop a Snodgrass effort um, from 20 yards just a couple of minutes later before Duke should have had the Dons ahead just before halftime. Fine work from Miofsky to dispossess Sibic. I say fine work. I think my dog could have dispossessed Sibic um, on many <laughs> occasions today. Uh, his ball, Miofsky's ball to Duke saw him one-on-one with Gordon, but his vicious effort was well saved by Gordon before Shankland nearly put the visitors a goal up at the other end. His looped finish topped Topped, tipped over the bar by Kel Roos. Presumably, Lawrence Shanklin will be blaming, I don't know, like microwaves or something from deflecting the ball. I was going to say, he pounced on that through ball like an anti-vaxxer, reading a Reddit thread about how the government are putting a microchip in you. But what about the finish? (laughs) Oh, the finish, he was less prepared than he was when he got invited for his first vaccine. (laughs) Excellent, love it. Great stuff, Gav. Halftime, nil-nil. And the Dons straight onto the attack from kickoff, but as Hart broke back, a slack back pass by Stewart allowing Humphreys to bear in on goal. When have we heard Roos, that before? Yeah, doing well to ha- get a hand on the Hearts. Doing well to get a hand on the ball as the Hearts striker rounded him, ensuring that no penalty would be awarded. Duke and McKenzie linking well on 56 minutes. McKenzie's cross, finding Miofsky, who could only prod past the post, before Miofsky only just failed to get proper contact on a fizzing ball in slash shot from McCrory on the other side a minute later. Vicente Bajowin for Leighton Clarks in the first change for the Dons on 70 minutes. And Duke had the home side a goal up just four minutes later. Great challenge by Jack McKenzie on the left flank on uh, Robert Snodgrass, leaving the old age pensioner crippled and lying in a heap. And after feeding Ramadani, the Albanian produced a sublime through ball for Duke who slid through Gordon's legs to send the home support in the shed into raptures. Five minutes later, the game was done. Duke, despite suffering with cramp, basically being only able to run with one leg, 
somehow won the ball back on the halfway line, somehow brought the ball forward, somehow outpaced the entire Hearts back line in doing so before setting up Bajowin, who finished well past Gordon from 12 yards. And in the aftermath of the goal, Duke replaced by Marley Watkins, a standing ovation for the Cape Verdean, who had put in, well, let's just say, a hell of an afternoon's piece of work. We'll come on to Duke in a minute, I think. Commentators and sports entertainment would say it was a slobber knocker of a performance. Absolutely. Some quality game management by Robbie Nielsen saw him take on a defensive midfielder in the shape of Peter Haring as they chased the game. For Haring, there must be notes from Alex Miller's time left like lying around Pataudry somewhere. Well, bear know. in mind that they are now in the old home dugout, so who this knows? Very true. Who knows? Maybe that's what's happened there. Um, only for Haring to have to last less than five minutes on the pitch, forced off the field on a stretcher after a clash of heads with Marley Watkins. Um, it wouldn't be a visit of hearts to Pataudry without a red card. And that's exactly what Jorge Grant should have got for his wild off-the-floor lunge on Connor Barron. But somehow, Dom Robertson, again, just deciding we'll take it easy this week, Far's not until next week, uh, decides to only brandish a yellow card, um, as he also did to Liam Scales for his involvement in some, let's call it afters. Uh, but that was that. 2-0, much needed after last week's performance. The Dons finished the weekend in fourth spot. One pint, one pint, one point behind Hibs with a game in hand uh, on the data front. Possession, 41% to Aberdeen to 59% for Hearts. Total shots, 16 to 13 in favour of the home side. Shots on target, 5 to 3 for Aberdeen. Expected goals, 1.63 to Aberdeen to 1.30 for the visitors. Gentlemen, your thoughts on that one? A much needed three points. We can, but we'll not dwell on the debacle that was last weekend. But what better way to not quite shut people up because the concerns are still there, but what better way to just try and get get back on back on track and keep your place in the, in the table. And over the course of a season, you would assume that Hearts are going to be one of your competitors. So that's a pretty good start to take some points off them at home. So really good, really good result. Um, slightly, I guess it's a little frustrating that you can go and beat Hearts at home and take a hiding off of Dundee United, but still, at least they got the job done. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I always take great satisfaction in beating Hearts, beating them Pataudry. Um not a, not a vintage performance by any stretch of the imagination. I think in the first half we watched a team that have come off the back of a a 4-0 scudding and coming for a lot of warranted criticism and uh, maybe lacking a little bit of belief but I thought in the second half we showed a bit more intent on the ball uh, tried to get our hearts a little bit more and I think in the end we got what we deserved and that was a, a victory after the way the results have panned out over the weekend it was pretty imperative that we kept pace with Hibs if we want to be in third place and yeah to create a little bit of distance between ourselves and hearts is not a bad thing either so all in all, a good day at the office. One thing I think is just important to pick up, though. I mean, <clears throat> you guys have just talked to, touched on it there a little bit, I guess. Um, good result needed, obviously, after last week's debacle. But that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that last week should be forgotten about, though. Um, one game, one victory today doesn't make up for how horrendous that performance at United was last give it, week. Give it till next week. Give it till next week. We'll be here again. Absolutely. Definitely. Um Let's talk about, I guess, let's, let's, let's get to the start. Um, four changes in the lineup. Um, two of them enforced, obviously, through injury and illness for Johnny Hayes and Hayden Coulson. I think most people were probably 
hoping to see Barron and Clarkson come into the team after their kind of cameo at Tanadice last week. So I think that was fair enough. The switch to a 3-5-2 possibly enforced due to Hayes and Colson missing out. Um, but just your thoughts, I guess, on system and then the, the starting lineup that we had out there. Well, I mean, Aberdeen playing three at the back has confirmed by Goodwin in the pre-match interviews. That's got me pressing the panic button straight away because we just don't do it well. But uh, everyone was a lot of people were calling for it um, in the build-up to the game. A lot of our followers on Twitter were suggesting that getting McCrory back in the defence was a good way to offer up protection for both Richardson and Anthony Stewart. Um, in the first half, I think we, I think we struggled. I think we seemed quite, um, seemed quite passive. Seemed quite prepared to let Hearts have the ball um, mm-hmm. across their back line um, in the centre midfield. You know, I think Snodgrass was probably running the show a little bit in the in the first half, and it was frustrating watching some of their more limited defenders getting, you know, space and time on the ball when you kind of know that pressing them would be, you know, it's going to ask them questions that, as the game would later show, they weren't really up to up to answering. And I think they did exploit us in in areas. There's a lack of communication between the wing backs and the left and right sided centre halves of the three. Thankfully, you know, by Alex Cochran, you know, with one of the most horrendous misses you'll ever see, we kind of get spared. Um, I did think we, like I said, I think we grew into the game in the second half and took a lot more control. Um, I'm going to be honest, I didn't hate it by the end of it. I think it does give us. An option to play two very talented midfielders in in Connor Barron and Leighton Clarkson gets uh, support to Miofsky in the way of Duke. It's a system that gives you you know flexibility to get your wing backs forward. So I think as the game grew, I think I don't know if that's maybe more to, as much to do with what Hearts you know getting tired and also you know they had to shuffle the deck a lot throughout the game as well. But I can see some merit in this in this shape, and I can definitely see some merit in it away from home, where we maybe want to just focus a little bit more on being hard to beat and being hard to score against. I think a bit like Gav, I have a bit of PTSD when I see that formation, so it's kind of difficult to see it and automatically be thinking, yes, even if it might it might make sense because it's probably made sense in previous seasons and it's turned to rat shit by the time we step onto the pitch. But it's good to see, I mean, I guess the sign of a good sort of team manager players is the ability to change your your shape like I've said circumstances will call when you you do need to be able to adapt whether that's through injuries or actually to give your opponent something different to think about so it's quite encouraging that it worked I'm still not totally sold on it to be honest so when Hayes and Coulson are available I wouldn't be too upset if we reverted to type and had the old trusty four at the back but maybe that's just me being a little risk averse it's just that thing isn't it like i've seen i've seen it work i know that three at the back does work i've seen it but just not in the red and white of aberdeen that's um, what i was going to say on tv <laughs> or on or the opposition but i think um jim goodwin i think the personnel were there to maintain the the four two three one or the four three three shape if he really wanted to yeah I think so i think he, he does deserve a bit of credit for being a little bit open-minded and trying something different and ultimately we got the result we needed. I think the thing is, it, I think first half, we the shape didn't look right at all. I don't know if this is because it was a last-minute decision to have to go this way because of Coulson and Hayes being out or if we have been working on it all week. If we've been working on it all week, 
I'd be a little bit concerned because I thought our middle three, Ramadani, Clarkson and Barron first half, were kind of all over the place a little bit. No one really seemed to know who was meant to be going where, who was meant to be marking who. Um, you kind of touched on it, Gav, that I think that allowed Hearts to get a bit of a foothold in the game and set the park. We looked very badly exposed down the right hand, the right hand flank as well, first half in particular. Um, maybe we should do it now, actually. Let's let's talk about Jaden Richardson a little bit today because I think part of the reason some people and I, and I I was kind of thinking this myself during the course of the week that maybe a three five two wouldn't be the if we've only got one recognised fullback on the books on the right hand flank in Richardson. And if his skill set is more um, suited to going forward, then maybe it'd be a better idea to move to three at the back and try and alleviate some of the defensive pressure off of Richardson and not leave him as exposed uh, as he would be as a fullback. Um, but that first half in particular today really wasn't great. We were exposed time and time again down that right-hand flank. It didn't look as though Richardson really was comfortable with what he was doing. There was a few times that he and McCrory didn't seem to really know who was meant to be picking up who. And then the Cochrane chance, I mean, Richardson's fast asleep, isn't he, at the back stick, um, allows Cochrane to come in and we get fortunate. I don't even remember Richardson being in the vicinity of Alex Cochrane. I don't think I've even noticed that he was um, <laughs> that he was asleep. He must have been hibernating, not asleep. Um, and I think as well, we got a little bit, Hearts found a lot of joy down the left channel as well um, between McKenzie and Scales. Thankfully, in that case, Scales was able to do a pretty good job on the yeah. lad Humphreys anytime. Um, that tends to indicate to me that it was probably a, a last minute or, you know, maybe not the plan going into the game in saying that some of Jaden Richardson's performances this year have suggested that anything has, nothing's been planned. So, um, I, hey, I think we've got to accept that like you say, we've got Jane Richardson's the one option. Um, Matty Kennedy, perhaps, could probably do a job at wing back, but it's not an ideal setup at all. So we've just got to accept that, you know, until the until January at least, probably until the end of the season, you know, Richardson's here, he's a, he's a project player. But, I mean, Jim Goodwin was a defensive player, so he'd like to think that we can get some, uh, get some maybe one-to-one -one, one -one coaching or whatever with him and just get him to learn you know, the the job that he has to, has to do it right back because, yeah, it wasn't great today. I was just going to say, he's probably the one of the summer signings that people are less enthused about, probably include myself in that. I don't think he's really quite up to what we we need. I feel like we've maybe got a little fortunate to date and that his mistakes haven't been punished regularly, maybe the way they should have been, but it's obviously a bit of a cause for concern for the rest of the season. And again, it's kind of like Tanner's last week, where if the skill set is more in the attacking areas, there was plenty of occasions today in the first half, especially, and even actually in the second half, I think about where he did get into good positions. And then there's that moment of hesitation or the ball getting stuck under his feet where he's not delivering there either. So, yeah, if you're not getting the attacking threat, then kind of no real reason for him to be in the team. I think that's what we were touched on last week. We're not really getting like. You're not really getting a, a complete role forwards or backwards out of him. You know, like you say, he gets into good positions, but then doesn't really deliver what you'd want from someone who's getting into that position. And if he consistently was, then you would just accept the defensive frailty. But on the flip side, it's not like he's not great going forward, but no one gets past him. And you're like, okay, he just can't necessarily do that role in the modern sense, but at least he's solid. He's just kind of floating around a bit in no man's land at the moment. I don't think he's a bad 
player. I'm just not sure it's whether he whether he knows what he's supposed to be doing totally or Goodwin's decided or his teammates have decided. I'm not sure, but he's, I don't know if a weak link's maybe a little harsh, but he's probably the one player that you sort of look to quite early on in a match and that, yeah, this guy's not necessarily doing his job as well as his teammates are doing their jobs. I mean, it's no coincidence that opposition are attacking our right side, is it? Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about the left-hand flank, though. Jack McKenzie, because, Gav, I think you were concerned. Let's let's be polite about this. You were concerned when you saw Jack McKenzie starting today. I believe I've expressed... um, Yes. Um, yeah. Concern is the right word about um, about Jack McKenzie and his ability. Yes. Yeah. And uh, a bit slow of a, a bit a bit of a slow start, I think, for McKenzie today. But I thought second half in particular, along with the rest of the team, in fairness, I thought first half nobody really had a particularly great game for us. Um, we'll come on to Duke in a minute or two, but um, second half, I thought McKenzie looked much more assured. Really started to get himself into the game. He'll take a massive amount of confidence, I imagine, from his second half performance, in particular his involvement in the first goal. Yeah, I mean, in the first half, like, there's occasions where he kind of he dithers on the ball and plays himself into danger quite a lot. I think teams probably look at him as a player that they can press because he's not, you know, the greatest on the ball. There was a moment where I think he was chasing, he must have been chasing Alan Forrest because he was playing right kind of wing back for, for Hearts. And he did kind of look like a reliant Robin towing a tugboat. Um, so uh, that was, uh, yeah, concerning. Um, I would tend to agree in the, in the second half. Yeah. I think he started getting up down the line a little bit more, showing a little bit more intent to support, um, whether it was Leighton Clarkson or giving an option to Duke. Um, and listen for the, for the first goal, it's, um, it's a great tenacious bit of play to just, you know, steamroll through, through Robert Snodgrass and, Get the ball to Ramadani, so yeah, all the credit to him. And there, um, I'd love it to if he can prove me wrong. I do have concerns that Jack McKenzie, if he's the kind of caliber that we want to have, if we want to be the Aberdeen team that you know we all want us to be, competing up the top end of the table, winning trophies. But that was, um, yeah, pulled my hands up. That was a good start. If he's going to get another run in the team, I think we all want it to work for him. I mean, I suppose the way you would anyone who signs for your club, but in particular, it's always nice to see sort of one of your younger homegrown talents make the grade. And I know what you mean, there's, there's games where, yes, he's, he's, he's had a run of games without an injury, he's finding his feet, this is going to work out. And there's other games where you think, I'm just, just not so sure if this is a step too far. So it's good to see him sitting in particular come onto a game, but I don't know if I'm totally sold yet. And then moving all across the back line, I think Anthony Stewart today um, came in for a lot of criticism last week. Um, I know that there was a lot of people very vocal about whether he should even be in the starting lineup this weekend. Um, people on Twitter just highlighting things that he likes on Twitter. Who would have done that? Don't yeah. know. You know, yeah. um, not pointing fingers. Just an observation. That was all it was. <laughs> um, but much better performance from him today. Apart from that back pass, which nearly left us in deep shit. Apart from that, though, um, a much, much better performance from the captain today. I've got to confess, I didn't actually see the back pass because I was too busy cultivating a tweet. You were trying to find a gif, weren't you? Yes, about yes. the Duke Alan Forrest shoulder barge. Um, I thought overall, I thought he was a much better with the ball today. Um, yeah. There was that moment in the second half where he somehow ended up 
um, outside the Hearts penalty box. And I don't really quite know how the hell that even happened now. And after that, he started trying to play a little bit. And it's like, oh, this is this reminds me of Ash Taylor a little bit, where someone one thing goes right and suddenly he thinks he's a player. As far as all the basic defending, you know, I don't think he lost a header against Shankland or Humphreys all day. He was there to to mop up danger when he needed to be. Um, it's but yeah, I mean, a critical mistake like that if it's not for Roos yeah. denying the heart striker or I don't really know. It looked to me like it was a penalty, but um, that was in the red shed. I've not seen it back since then. I'm sure if it was, Don Roberts would not have hesitated to give it. Um, so yeah, I think it was an overall a much improved performance. I think it did help him having the mobility of McCrory and Scales around him, plus the protection of Ramadani in front of him. So yeah, I think our skipper can be happy with his performance. But yeah, if you can just cut out bullshit like... Um, playing in opposition strikers will we'll all be good. He can go ahead and like the SPFL post this evening about today's game. That's not he a problem. most certainly can. He can even like the Dundee United one if he wants to. <laughs> uh, but interesting, I, I think the back three suited him actually a little bit more today because he could just act as a sweeper effectively and just do what he's good at doing, which is defending. There's a lot to be said for that sort of... Because I guess you look at an individual player, and, well, he's got a position or a role, but actually sometimes to excel kind of need the people around him to be set up to sort of free him up to do that a lot as well. So I think we've all said, we're convinced, you know, there's a decent defender there, but the, the key word is the use of the word defender there. He's he's good at winning the ball. You don't really want him, or I don't think I want him, based on what I've seen, actually having to build some play. I kind of want him to just win the ball, pass it to someone close to him who's better at football. And then we can maybe build an attack that way. So maybe there's a little bit more merit for a couple of reasons, actually, to this sort of system where it might actually shore up your defence a little bit if your best defender can actually be focused on that. I'm not sure how I feel about, though, if we're going to go with the back three of Kelroos knocking the ball to Stuart on the edge of the box while two strikers are basically like within about five yards. I'm not sure. Yeah, there were a couple of times first half. It was a bit. You need a bit of excitement in the game, don't you? Uh, well, it could be worse. I mean, Craig Gordon just kept on knocking the ball a yard to Civic every time in the second half today. And that had, it reminds me of, um, remember when Kilmarnock came to Pataudry with Mixu Pataline? I manager? knew that was your reference point because that's the one I was thinking of there. It was like 4 0, and like three of them were for them basically yeah. passing it to us out of the box. Yeah. And Civic didn't really do that at any point today, but it was always like, this is such a massive weak link. You can see it coming from a mile off. You're not going to build anything from here. Why are you continually doing this? Um, yeah. Anyway, Mike Gordon has a very unusual way of kicking a football. He does. Point that out today. He's like, it's like his leg is like one whole piece. Yeah. There's just, no like fluidity in his yeah, leg. There's no like, there's no extension or bend. It's just, it's, it's, just, it's just like, yeah, it's like a wooden leg. Yeah. It's like he's swinging a golf club at it. Yeah. It's very odd. Yeah. Anyway, there we go. Um, the midfield three, we touched on it early on. I think that the midfield three, certainly first half, were a little bit all over the place, but second half, I think we started to really come into a game. Leighton Clarkson was quite quiet, I thought, today. He was trying to pop up in places to get on the ball and try to make things happen, but just didn't quite come off for him. Connor Barron, I thought, a relatively poor first half in, in the main, but second half, much better. Um, some of his set pieces were a little bit wild, let's be honest. That's quite polite. Um <laughs> 
but great to see him back last in the full 90 minutes. Obviously, that's just him back from injury. Full 90 minutes, great to see. And towards the end of the game, I think he was really starting to find his feet, find his rhythm, kind of boss in the midfield. Uh, yeah, in the first half, there was, I would agree that I think, I think as we said, the heart, I think Hearts play probably controlled the middle of the park and that's probably reflecting in how they have the possession stats they have uh, yeah. at the end of the game. But there was that one sort of, with the inside of his foot, oh, that yes. sort of span, spun, span, spun spun to out to the right and like a little cutter that Gordon just intercepts before Richardson get to it, which was like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, as the second half went on, I think he grew into the game, which was quite incredible because I didn't expect him to play the full 90. In a way, he seemed to get better as uh, as time went on. I think he sort of showed his class. Uh, also, his tenacity. He's a real, real fighter, as Connor, despite his um, diminutive size. I can remember that free kick where <laughs> it was a pretty big lull in the game. I can't remember exactly why there was. Um, but yeah, he went over to get instructions from Jim Goodwin. Yeah, and I, all I could think of was, you know, um, when the episode of Simpsons when they set up the baseball team mm-hmm. and Burns is like walking along the side. He's just like, what to do, what to do, what to do. Hey, strawberry hit a home run. Okay. Skip. <laughs> I told him to do that. I imagine that Jim Goodwin did not tell Connor Barron to shell it long into the red shed there. It was a uh, pretty brutal, but that aside. Yeah. A very good performance on his, I guess, full, full return to the, uh, to the team. And yeah, I think we're going to be a much, much better side with Connor in it. There's still time for Connor Barrendor to happen. It's good to see him back. And it's probably a little unfair to expect him to just sort of pick up where he left off, given how long he's been out. But I think what is encouraging, like you said, the 90 minutes, which was a bit of a surprise. And the fact that he, like, his stature is going to go against him in some games. You know, I always, you know, if you think of a, physical, brutish team, you think hearts. But if you can actually come into that game and then come on to your game, I think that says quite a lot about him and that's him not quite firing in all cylinders. So it's good to have him back. And I, I agree with you. Probably means the manager's got some decisions to make in terms of personnel, but it's difficult to see how he's not going to work his way into that starting lineup. I think when Connor Barron's fit, Connor Barron will play every day. Yeah, no, I, I'm inclined to agree. Um, I don't see how you can not have him in the team based on what we've seen to date when he's been fully fit. So I imagine we'll be seeing more of him starting in the next couple, couple of weeks. Well, the good thing now as well, of course, it, it gives us more options, doesn't it? Because so much of the season we've been kind of saying we can't, you can't move McCrory out of the midfield area because we really need him in there. Now at least you can go, well, you can kind of move McCrory out of the midfield area if you need to because you have Barron who can play in the centre of the park. Very different players, obviously, but I think Connor Barron is in the team every day of the week now um, unless there's a, an injury issue again. So it certainly gives us some options. Um, I thought Ross McCrory had a pretty good game. All being said, in the right-hand side of the three today, like I say, it was a bit iffy first half between him and Richardson. It seemed to kind of sort itself out a little bit. In the second half, I don't know if that's just because, of course, we we kind of started to, to get more of a foothold in the game as well, potentially. But it does give us more options, which is always a good thing. Um, we've already talked about Jaden Richardson, so fuck it. There's only one more guy to talk about, I think, today. Um, Luis Lopez. <laughs> Football is life. I mean, I, 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 tweeted, I tweeted at halftime that the first half was probably the dullest 45 minutes 
I've seen in a long, long time um, at Pataudry or anywhere for that matter. It was a, a horrendously shite game of football with real lack of quality on either side, to be honest. With the exception of Duke in the first half, Duke had a couple of flashes of kind of um, inspiration, moments of genius, if you want to call them those. But then second half, he just turned it up a whole different level. The guy is an absolute maverick, isn't he? I mean, yeah. there are moments in that first half where I don't even really understand how he comes away with the ball in the situation he's in where he you know drags the ball back and it's it kind of leads to many mercs the defender and that leads to the, the penalty shout the boys on the radio were saying that he dived maybe he did I don't know that's that's not for me to judge and then like I think there was a chance where he Shankland was marking him yeah and that was just like you know that's that's unfair like Lauren Shankland shouldn't be marking Duke, that's just not right. That's like a cheat code. And he just like went past him like he wasn't even there. Set up an opportunity that we just didn't convert. Um, you know, could have scored. It's a it's a really, really good save from Craig Gordon at the at the end of the first half. It's a good shot, it's a good effort by Duke. Um through his own making, through his pace and his power. And he just, you know, kept going, kept going. You know, we had that chance in the second half where tight angle, left foot, you didn't quite expect Gordon to make that save. Um, but then to get the chance that he does and take it with such composure for a guy we were told was really, really raw. You kind of almost expect him to just blast that straight at Craig Gordon's chest, but he keeps it low. It's a really composed finish. And yeah, it's, it's difficult to not be caught up in the infectiousness of just how much it seems that football means to him and playing for Aberdeen means to him. He, every time he scores, he goes absolutely ballistic. Um, and then there was the, there was the time I think he got the 20, Number 20 for Hearts, squared him up, did about 10 million yeah. step overs and then went past him like he wasn't there. And yeah, at the end of the day, when his shift is just about over and he's struggling with cramp before, you know, we've got a one legged man in an ass kicking contest, gets away from the number 20 like he's not there and shows real composure, shows real um, vision to pick out Vinny Bajawin, gets the decisive second goal and that's his day done. Um, uh, I'm going to skip ahead. A man of the match performance from Luis Lopez, and uh, I think that might is that is maybe his first star at Pataudry? Hmm. Uh I think it might well be. I think it probably was his first star at Pataudry. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, Jim Goodwin talked in the post match about him being excited about a a Miofsky Duke partnership, and I am in agreement. Yeah, a great performance from Luis Lopez. There's so much to like. We've had guys that have been fast before. We've had guys that have been strong, but you've got a guy who's fast and strong, but actually can then do stuff with football, which is your sort of icing on the cake. I'm just really enjoying watching him so far. And I think today's a good example of like a sort of closely, keenly contested game where maybe weren't collectively as a team in it as much as we'd like in the first half. So you're going to need that little bit of something different or extra that I don't think we've really had up front over the last couple of seasons and you know just th- today's a good example of that it's quite a close game and I think it was a it was a moment of quality that made the difference rather than an error where it's just a war of attrition and it's who's going to make a mistake that's going to seal the seal the points so really really good watching him and it's probably getting to the point where it's kind of difficult to not have him in the team as well. Uh, you kind of feel you've got to give him and Miofsky an opportunity now to try and build a, an actual partnership. Um, the other thing as well is 
talk about desire. I mean, a lot of the time we'll talk about players who come in from abroad, for example, and do they necessarily have the desire to really kind of, you know, when the going gets tough, kind of get involved and everything. The second goal in particular, I mean, the first goal, Gav, you and I touched on it because he, I saw some people say that the chance in the first half was a sitter and you should have done better with it. I actually think he, when I watched it back again, I think he actually does about as well as he could do. He, he absolutely smashes that. Yeah. Um, Gordon pulls off a fantastic save for it. Yeah, it's a very good goalkeeper, making a good save. Yeah. Um, and we touched on it though when after the after the first goal went in, we were kind of saying the thing I liked about his finish for the second for his first goal was he didn't panic having been put back in a one-on-one situation with a goalkeeper who has you know faced him up and stopped one from him before. He remained cool, calm, stuck it through his legs, brilliant. But the desire for this for the second goal, I mean, he's literally been on the deck with cramp. What? 30 seconds beforehand, seconds, minutes, really yeah. struggling, picked himself up, got himself back into the halfway line, wins the ball back, somehow gets away from Nielsen with one good leg, I don't understand how, keeps it going, keeps it going, plays in what is actually a really good pass into Bajewin. He's made It's made easy for him because Snodgrass like squares up to him, which is kind of very funny. I don't understand what Robert Snodgrass is doing. I, I, I don't understand why he's adopted that. Body shape. Always liked Robert Snodgrass. Let's just say um, finds the pass. Great stuff. You know that's a that's desire. That's a will to win. That's something that I think sometimes you can accuse foreign players in particular about perhaps not having. Um, I don't mean that in a in a Brexit style. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean how even you know even even us. How many times have we seen guys come in from abroad and they just don't have the same you know will to win or will to get involved sometimes and fuck it even guys from scotland or england or well, yeah, anywhere else i mean yeah it's not uh exclusive to cape verdeans um i'm gonna assume that nielsen is it lewis nielsen number 20 yes, uh-huh. i'm gonna assume that he is like it might be undeclared but i'm gonna assume that he is a relative of robbie nielsen because that is the only way i can explain how that guy has a gig at hearts because he was hopeless well bear in mind did, did they pay cash money for him from Dundee united i Oh, is that where they got him from? Yeah, he's quite a young lad, to be fair to him. So um, maybe get him a little bit of slack. But <laughs> if you at right centre back of a three is a worse option than Andy Halliday at left back, then that yeah. is not a good look for you. It, it, yeah, it's true. And I, I also just don't understand in that situation there. Nielsen hadn't, hadn't been booked, had he? Um, I don't think he had head, been. No. I don't see in that situation there why, as you're watching a guy with one good leg run away from you, why you're just not tripping him up. It's the heart's way. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, if anything, a sliding like scissor tackle is what you'd go for there. <laughs> Don Robertson will only give a yellow for it. Um, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, like you say, great desire from from Luis Lopez from Duke, and yeah, like I say, it was real calm, composed, good vision, and it's a perfectly weighted pass for Vinny Bajan to even take a slightly heavy touch, and then yeah, good finish from Vinny. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's already. I mean, for me, if we went back and ran kind of cult hero eleven right now, I think Duke might be winging his way into the starting lineup. I think he's uh, he's definitely making a case for it. Yeah, love him, love him. Um, so let's let's have a look quickly then. Top Don, um, when we put it to the ABZ solar system, amazing scenes. Uh, Louis Lopez won it with one hundred percent of the vote. Incredible scenes. Uh, Gav, for you, top Don today. Yeah, the Aberdeen number eleven. Honorable mention though to Liam Skills. Though he played very well today. I will not disagree with the people. Duke it is because uh, you are the man of the people. Yeah, it's got to be Duke. It's got to be well, the when big they man. get it right. They get it right. Got to be Duke. Got to be the big man. We're talking about Brexit again. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we're 
going down the political route again, boys. Right, we'll be, let's, let's, let's cut, let's cut, let's cut, cut that there. tangent off. Cut it we'll there. Be, we'll be getting in trouble again. Main news of the week. Confirmation from Don's that they're appealing Jim Goodwin's touchline ban, so he'll be back in the dugout until at least the 31st of October. So that means, thankfully, Lee Sharp can't do any stupid post-match interviews till at least Halloween, so that's good. Um, other than that, a very quiet week. Um, on the Dons front, perhaps unsurprising given that I, I presume there was maybe some form of, enhan- of enforced media lockdown put in place after last week's humping at Tanadice. I did see a snippet of Anthony Stewart's interview on Red TV mm-hmm. late in the week where he talked about how they went into Tanadice with the right mentality mm-hmm. and by by about 3pm on Sunday I just about stopped laughing at that. <laughs> yeah, Lone Watch. Now Thanks to Jeff for pointing this one out, I, I, because I'd completely omitted Con McLennan from Lone Watch for, well, the entire season so far, so that was my bad. Hold my hands up to that one. I'd say collectively it's our bad, because neither yeah, of you didn't take one of us it. to call you it. I'd genuinely forgotten all about Conor McLennan. I um, think all three of us are in the same headspace of this is a loan, but it's a loan with the view to out the door at the end of the season, so... Yeah, he's out of contract then season, isn't he? So yeah. that's why I've kind of forgotten about him because unless he tears up and he hasn't been because I would have known if he was scoring every week, he ain't coming back. Yeah, so anyway, Conor McLennan, 66-minute substitute for St. Johnston in their 1-0 defeat at the Tony Mac on Saturday. There we go. See, don't don't pretend we don't listen to you, Jeff. We do listen to your points of view. Um, although, interestingly, if Kel Roos had been off his line today, he wouldn't have stopped that one from Cochrane. Oh, Cochrane would have found him anywhere he was. Yeah, horrendous stuff. Uh, honestly, one of the worst things I've ever seen. And I was in Nam. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Second consecutive start for Kieran Nguyenia. Uh, he played the full 90 minutes again for Wraith Rovers as they went down by a goal to nil in the championship to Greenock Morton. Mason Hancock, an unused sub in our Arbroath's 1-1 draw with Queen's Park on Friday night. Evan Tyler, also an unused substitute as Cove were beaten 1-0 by ICT at the Balmoral. Tom Ritchie played the full 90 minutes as Peterhead lost 2-0 at Palmerston to Queen of the South in League One. Kevin Hanratty, an unused sub as Forfer held off Elgin City with 10 men to win 1-0 at Borough Briggs in League Two. And Dean Campbell failed to make the squad again as Stephen has drew 1-1 with Gillingham, but they remain top of League Two in England. On to the young team. A thriller at Cormac Park on Friday night saw the Don snatch a draw, keep their decent run of form going. Visitor Celtic making a bright start to the game, eventually getting their reward on 37 minutes. Cummings with a decent strike into the far corner to put Celtic in at halftime. A goal to the good before they doubled their lead on 51 minutes. Donovan with a header from close range. But despite looking down and out, Barry Robson's young team responded well. Emsley grabbing a goal back on 71 minutes before Alfie Babbage kept up his fine recent scoring run with the equaliser nodding home at the back post on 77 minutes. It was all Aberdeen at this point and the young team thought they'd won it with two minutes remaining. Babbage meeting a corner from Lobin and he netted to give the Dons the lead for the first time in the game but the joy was short-lived. A goal mouse Stramash on 19 minutes saw the ball eventually fall to Bonner, presumably not Paddy Bonner, and he stabbed home to tie the game up at 3-3 which is how it finished. Next up, a visit by Ross County on Friday in Youth Cup duty and onto the women's team. Well, the Quine's tough start to the season continued with a 3-0 defeat at Hearts in SWPL1. Madison Finney and Brody Greenwood ruled out due to Scotland under-17 duty and captain Lauren Campbell missing out with injury, which meant Maya Christie and Nadine Hansen came in alongside Francesca Ogilvie 
captaining the side. A fairly even first half saw the Quines miss out on some opportunities that on other day they might have taken, but they were made to pay for that on 39 minutes. The hosts take the lead via header from Trilist. Of course, Sampson doubled the lead just on half time. Bailey Hutchinson coming on for half Chloe Gover at half time, but it was the home team who increased their lead. Grant cutting in from the left before smashing a shot into the net. That's how it finished. Five defeats on the bounce for Emma Hunter and Gavin Beath's side. No goals in the last four. And next up, it's Hibbs who visits Balmoral on Wednesday evening. And I think, gents, that should probably wrap us all up for this section of the ABZ Football Podcast. Join us after the break for our preview of the week's doubleheader of fixtures as we talk with comedian Ray Bradshaw to look at the League Cup quarterfinal tie with Partick Thistle on Wednesday evening. And we look at our trip to Motherwell next Saturday. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. And yes, it's that time of the year where we need to talk about Christmas. Book your Christmas night out at Siberia Bar Hotel, who are offering area hire, buffet platters and a welcome drink for as little as £30 per person. And it all kicks off from the 1st of November. Book early to avoid disappointment. Contact Scott at Siberia-Aberdeen.com. That's Scott at Siberia-Aberdeen.com for more details. Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Now, before we move on to our previews of this week's doubleheader, we just want to give a shout out to those of you who have made your contributions to the Beer and Coffee Fund this week in particular. Kevin Watt, we see you, Kevin. Your bread is appreciated. If you'd like to help keep us fueled in beers or coffee, please head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash ABZ Football Podcast. The link is in the description. Shout us a beer, shout us a coffee. It is absolutely much appreciated um i'm going to skip the golfberg stuff because i have yet to update the spreadsheet again i promise i will do it next week lastly though our abzfp fantasy football league is back on the fantasy football scotland app you'll find a link to our league in the main landing page or you can use the code abzfpl to join some great prizes are for grabs this season once i get around to actually organizing them um gents how's your week going yeah 29 points. That's not very good, is it? 29. I can't imagine it'll be much better, but I'll... 27 points for me. Not great. Not great have at all. A, uh, I'll have a butcher's at this. Let's have a look. On the leaderboard, uh, J. Allen, 1903, with Songs of Haze. Good Lovely stuff. Uh, he had 34 game week points, so you know, not a good week for a lot of people this week. Uh, I've been... Okay, I've been fortunate that a sub has switched into the team, so I've come away with 44 points. Ooh. Very good, Gav. Tied 76th in our league. Oh, you're doing well. You're doing good. I'm like tied 217th. I am uh, not tied. I'm out there on my own in 174th. Lovely stuff. This has been an absolute disaster. Back to the leaderboard. Jay Allen uh, with Songs of Haze at top of the leaderboard, 702. Stevie Cha with Hoochie, 701 points. And the Angry Bush, uh, 698 in third spot. Uh, if you want to get involved, join the league online. Let's go on there. Oh, I think, boys, before we move on to the previews, we just need to give everybody who came to the, the quiz on Thursday night a big old shout out, a big thanks. We had a, we had a good time, didn't we? Yeah, genuinely, thank you very much to everyone that was there. And for those that had purchased tickets, weren't able to 
to manage it, hopefully, through word of mouth. You'll have, uh, you know, you missed out on a good night. It was good fun. I enjoyed doing it, albeit it's easier to turn up to a quiz than actually organise a quiz. A lot of work goes into a pub quiz. That's what I've learned. Uh, yeah, so credit to everyone who organises pub quizzes. I'll be <laughs> more sympathetic. Uh, more respectful. To, more respectful. But yeah, no, it was, good. it was a good night. So thanks to everyone who turned up and thanks to Siberia for persevering with sound systems and checking of equipment beforehand so that everything uh, everything passed off smoothly. Yep. Echo that sentiment and thank you to Jeff's Music Corner for providing inspiration for a for the playlist that was going on uh, during the during the event. And of course, our utmost thanks to our guest of honor, the danger man himself, Mark Reynolds, who was oh, incredible value. What, what a, a guy. What a guy. I feel we may have peaked a bit early with Mark as our guest for things like this, but never mind. Um, I would love also to thank Graham Steele for buying the iron brew <laughs> shots, but I but that would not be genuine or sincere. Oh, we haven't done Jess Music Corner yet. Well, no time like the present. Let's do it now. What's uh, what we got this week? I think it's the one we spoke about on. It has to be the one we spoke about on Thursday night. Okay. Okay. Well, that being said, Jeff's doing a joke. Jeff's doing a joke. Everybody stop, cause Jeff's doing a joke. There we go. Jeff's music corner. Um, I set out some parameters earlier on today. There's some good suggestions that came in by the way today. We'll we'll keep them stored. We'll use them in future episodes don't worry because we've got to pad this shit out somehow i don't even know if this really cla- classifies but we did say that the board of the directors of the abzfp can shift the parameters around as we see fit at any given opportunity so it's going to be um growing on me by the darkness has there been a better song written about genital warts well unless there's some kind of hidden meaning to fake plastic trees by radiohead then i'm going to say no hooks everywhere guitar solos it's got it all hasn't it yeah I remember that was their first kind of track that when they kind of appeared on the scene, wasn't it? Yes, yes. And uh, hearing a little bit about them and seeing what they were like and absolutely 100% not really the kind of music I'm into at all. But um, yeah, it um, was caught up in the in darkness mania for that little one album spell. It's a glorious, it's a glorious song. I mean, it's got that kind of arpeggiated guitar intro. Mm-hmm. Lovely stuff. Nice little bass riffing during yeah. that part. Straight into big riffs. Always good. Genital wart chat. Hilarious. Framed as though it's a love song. Delightful. Big chorus. Big guitar solo. What's not to like, Graham? Eh, last week's <laughs> suggestion was more my more my cup of tea, to be honest. There we go. But can we draw a line from the darkness to Aberdeen Football Club, though? Can we? Can we do it in less than seven degrees? I think we can. This is easy. This is easy. I mean, it's. I mean, it's kind of tenuous, but I mean, of course, is they it? are from. They are from Lowestoft, I believe, yeah. in uh, Southeast England, and Justin Hawkins, at least, is a Norwich City fan. So there we go. And there are many, many connections that exist between Norwich City and Aberdeen. The, for example, Kenny McLean or eighty-three Cup winner Ryan Gunn. Exactly. So there we go. Uh, what do we manage that in like? Is that how many stages of bacon is that? Oh, Justin Hawkins, Norwich, Kenny McLean, three? Three? There we go. Easy. Jobs are good. Um, hit us up next week. Let us know what you think about the darkness growing on me. Can you come up with a better song about genital warts? I will lay that challenge out there to the ABZFP solar system. If somebody can, we'll throw something your way. That's not a Google search I want to be involved in. 
know, but other people can do it. They can fill our content for us. Um, and if you've got any suggestions for Jeff's music or hit us up, the general parameters are meant to be one hit wonders. Mid nineties. Jeff, Jeff, what do you think about growing on you? What, the what does? Yeah, Jeff, what do you think about it? What do you think, Jeff? Let us know. Hit us up, and um, we'll use one of the other suggestions next week. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, back to more current matters and off of genital warts. Um, Wednesday evening sees the first visit of Partick Thistle to Patodra in nearly five years. It doesn't seem like it's been that long, but there we go. A one 0 for the a one win for the Dons on the 27th of December 2017. Adam Rooney with the winner. It's the first meeting in the League Cup between the sides since September 2007. A 2-0 win for the Dons at Firhill. Goals from Derek Young and Andy Constantine putting the Dons into the quarterfinals that evening. Four previous meetings between the sides in the League Cup, but this is the first at Pataudry since 1962. Aberdeen with uh, three wins and one loss record from those four games. Let's have a look at Thistle. Going pretty well so far this season. Uh, topped. Group B in the League Cup ahead of Kilmarnock, and then they saw off our both in round two to set up this tie. Currently sitting joint top of the championship after their 2 1 win at Hamilton on Saturday. A pretty experienced squad that Ian McCall has built at Firhill. Plenty of familiar faces from lower half of the Premiership slash Championship stalwarts you'll know well, like Brian Graham, who's their top scorer with five goals. Brian Graham must be about 190 years old. He is one of them that feels like he's been around for a very long time. I, I bet you he's actually not that old. Yeah, he's probably, I bet he's younger than me, which will be incredibly depressing, I imagine. He's, he's definitely not an up-and-coming young talent, is he? And <laughs> Was Brian Graham ever an up-and-coming young talent? Well, I don't know. Maybe, I guess, at a point in time. I don't recall that happening. Well, you wouldn't. He's so old. He was an up-and-coming <laughs> talent years ago. He's only 34 years old. Are you sure? Oh, no, he's, no he's, he's over the hill. Anyway, there we go. I feel, I feel that. Also got the likes of Stephen Lawless, who came in from Dunfermline during the summer, Adam Muirhead, Jack McMillan, and Danny Millen from Dundee. Harry Mill signed at left back from Cove Rangers um, in the summer. He appears to have stepped up as well. Um, I, I say step up, I know Cove got promoted to the championship, but I think it's probably fair to say it's maybe a step up in terms of size of club and all that kind of good stuff. Seems to have done well. I know that Aberdeen were linked with Harry Mill during the summer as well, so be interested to see how he continues to do. Scoring plenty of goals. Thistle, top scorers in the championship so far with 23 in 10 games. Doing okay at the back as well, conceding 13 in those games. McCall seems pretty happy with a 4-2-3-1 formation with Brian Graham leading the line. Now, obviously, it's a massive game for Aberdeen on Wednesday night, isn't it? And it's a huge game for Jim Goodwin. I mean, obviously, the, the result on Sunday against Hearts was important um, to try and correct some of the issues that happened at Tanadice, but at the same time, Wednesday night brings with it an opportunity to get to Hamden at the first time of asking for Goodwin um, with his Aberdeen team for a cup semi-final. So it's a huge, huge game. Yeah, absolutely. There, there is no two ways about it. It is crucial that we that we win. Well, that's that's my take on it. Unfortunately, the reality is, in my opinion, we're never going to be in contention for a league, you know, come the business end of the season. So the Cups are where your, your best opportunities are. And chance to get to the semi-final from there, who knows? You just can't pass it up. I don't care what the game looks like. Um, we just need to get through it. And that would just, you know, that you used the phrase earlier, a surely peg for the manager. I think there's definitely, we're not quite necessarily totally on board as a fan base that this is the right direction. Or you could argue, when is a fan base ever totally on board? But there have been a few steps forward and a few steps backwards under Goodwin, so it would be a big step forward to get the result. 
against Partick and just uh, get us into the next stage of the cup. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think the um, the defeat to Wraith Rovers last year was one of the initial nails in this in the Stephen Glass coffin. And Graham's right; it's uh, it's our one of two realistic chances of silverware. Uh, we've been given an advantageous tie. You know, you've got to be loving uh, a quarterfinal at home against a team a league below you. Admittedly, Parkes have done well this season. You know, they're they are top of the championship. They'll be stiff competition as far as that goes. But I mean, you have to believe with the investment, the the players we have, what we showed against Hearts, especially in the second half, you've got to hope that we can go there and really just take control. Um, like Graham says, doesn't really matter how we do it, but we just get the job done and we get ourselves to Hamden um, when the semi-final happens. Yeah, I really don't care if it's the worst game of football ever. You just need to, you just need to get, you just need to win it. It's as basic as that. I think. The cup games, you just need to be getting through them. And it's a great opportunity, home tie against theoretically a weaker opponent. But I take your point, there's not really that much of a gap from a team that's going well at the top of the championship to where we are. It's not like it's, you know, divisions like yeah. it maybe has been in previous rounds. So there's not going to be as much as maybe people think or I would like between the teams, but it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Just really have to get over the line. It's been a long time since we faced Ian McCall, hasn't it? It feels like it's been a while. I can't think of... It's not like we ever played Air when he was manager there. Did we not? We played Air after Maribor. I think he was the manager. Oh, was he? I could be wrong there. That must have been at Somerset Park, wasn't it? It was, was at Somerset, yes. yeah. yeah. Were you there, Graham? I was indeed. Because I remember when we... I think the tickets were announced when we were in Maribor. So trying to organise it when we were out there was a little tricky. I'm sure it was after I'm sure it was after Maribor. This is where my memories probably let me down. But it's the right but, season. Ian McCall was Ian McCall was in charge then. Okay. So yeah, there we go. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Two uh, one win for Aberdeen that evening. There was a time when I dreaded playing Ian McCall's Dundee United side because they always got the better of us. By the uh, by the time that his tenure at United came to an end, we kind of uh, reversed that. But um you know he's you know, undeniably, he's got Park Thistle playing well this season. He's really kind of turned it around after the Gary Caldwell debacle um, that they that they had to endure. The the poor guys. I'm sure we'll somehow crowbar that into our chat with Ray later on, which he'll be delighted about bringing some of that PTSD back. Um, but yeah, like we say, we've got to believe that we can, you know, stamp our authority on the game. And ultimately, I agree with Graham. Would love to do it with style. Would love to be a three four nil win, but. If it's 1-0 deflected off the back of Brian Graham's head, I'll take that too. Same. Yeah, exactly. I think it's an important one that we don't take it too lightly. Obviously, um, it's a free hit for Thistle, isn't it? They're playing well at the top of the championship. No one's probably expecting to come here and win. They've got a great opportunity to come up here and try and really create an upset. Um, I'm sure Ian McCall will have his side well-drilled, well-organised. Um, they obviously carry a threat up top. Like I say, they've, they've scored 23 goals so far in their 10 games in the championship this season. Um, so there are no mugs at the right end of the park. Um, and McCall's an experienced manager, you know, as much as he was a bit of a, a bogey figure or a hate figure for a while, I guess, as, as United boss, there's no denying he knows what it's all about, at, at, certainly at championships or level. Um, I imagine he'll try as well to, to make sure that Thistle are pretty tight, pretty compact, I'd imagine, to begin with and frustrate the crowd and all that kind of usual cliched bollocks. Maybe we can get Stevie Tosh on CoComs. Yes. But before the game, just spook. McCall 
Yeah, just like you know, dodging, just like making as though he's gonna smash a ball. Recreate, recreate Tannadice all those years ago. Absolutely. Of course, like that's just our take on things. Um, but we thought we'll get a part of this whole perspective on this. And who else would we go to to do this? That's right. Comedian, friend of the show, all round good guy, Ray Bradshaw. Ray Bradshaw, welcome to the ABZ Football Podcast. How's it going, mate? Yeah, I'm all right. How are you doing? Good. Living the dream. It's Tuesday night. Talking to Ray Bradshaw. What else would I be doing? Yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot better things, to be honest. Like, <laughs> uh, Kelly Dundee. Have you, have you, here's a question. Have you got Premier Sports? Yes, because I keep forgetting to cancel the subscription. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have access to it. Yes. Yeah. Let's leave that one in that. Yeah. There uh, we go. Because, it's essentially just Rangers and Celtic telly, in it? That's all they want. Exactly. And then the year they both get scudded out the cup was amazing because I think their <laughs> memberships went down massively. <laughs> uh, yeah, because, like, so I won't be able to make it up to the game tomorrow. So I'm gigging at half five tomorrow. Okay. Um, so I do, like, work in progress shows. So I can't make it up. And it's not on telly. You're not allowed to even do pay-per-view and things like that, which seems mad when it's a quarter-final. I, I don't I can't wrap my head around stuff like this. I really can't. Like it's it's that thing where you're like surely you try to get eyes on the product and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. And for people who can't make it up for whatever reason from from the kind of Glasgow Mary Hill area, Thistle fans, for Aberdeen fans who can't make it in, it's a it's a Wednesday night, you know. I don't understand I, I don't think it would have that much of an impact on attendance actually at the game no. tomorrow night. Because no. this will sold out your allocation, I think, or your initial allocation anyway. Yeah. It's great. Um, I think I saw there's eleven supporters buses heading up. Cool club of I say 11. Yeah. <laughs> 11 people. <laughs> Do you know what? I've been to Pitodri a few times and I fucking wish there was only 11 people there. It is. I, I read a stat today. Have you checked this? The last time this will be Aberdeen? No. 2003. Wow. We have not beaten you in 14 attempts. That would be about right, I think, because that would have been the classic uh, school Steve that, Patterson kind of you know so I used to do a football podcast and we used to interview players. Essentially, anyone that I could find on Facebook, I would just add and then we didn't. So I'm, I'm still friends with Lorenzo Amoruso and stuff like that on Facebook. It's weird. He's 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 got a younger girlfriend now and he just talks about it all the time. But uh, the <laughs> amount of ex-Aberdeen players, whether it was Ricky Gillis or um, uh, David Priest or lots of people, even Russell Anson, just every week just getting an Evie Scovdale story was yeah. incredible he's like a proper cult figure but that that Aberdeen team at that time 2003 would that have been about Stavrum Zerali time no they'd be gone before? by that point this right, is okay. kind no of that we point beat you then. this is kind of that point where we start kind of cutting budgets quite drastically and suddenly yeah, it's right, okay. you know the okay. Leon Mikes of this world are, are coming through their way up Do to you know what? I've not thought of Leon here right here's a question for you I've not googled this but I'm going to ask you a question and give you the answer I presume Whatever happened to Darren Mackey, and is the answer working offshore? Uh, Gav, do you want to field this one? I mean, well, he's you know the this. Aberdeen reading champion. Well, um, of course, yes, Darren Mackey is a reading champion of Aberdeen. Um, <laughs> his favourite book is Lord of the Rings. He's never read the book, but he's seen the movies, and they're good, so the books have to be good. <laughs> That's a genuine um, quote. That's a I genuine think I've quote. seen that before. I think I've seen that one before. So Darren Mackey, of course, he when he left Aberdeen, he went to Phoenix to play for the Phoenix Wolves. So I think we're in the third tier of the American soccer pyramid. Great. They folded <laughs> after about six months. Oh, came big, back, Paul, think, big Paul Douglas energy. Big Paul Douglas <laughs> energy, innit? And I think he came back and played for maybe Fort Martin or the Locos. 
and I'm not sure what he is doing at is that, present is, day, but is, I assume it, he's still smoking 20 a day. Yeah. <laughs> is that how you pronounce it? For Martin? For, for Martin, Martin yeah. yes. That's the, so I do a lot of radio. That's the team I've bastardized the most. <laughs> like Fort Martin. Because um, like Russell Anderson was there and uh, yeah. Paul what was Lawson. He called? Paul, Lawson. Yep. Paul Lawson, yes. Yeah, yeah. Brother-in-laws. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I played yeah, juvenile football with Paul. There we go. We're back to seven degrees of separation. <laughs> Paul Lawson. No, are we fuck? It's just you trying to shoehorn the fact you played junior. That is all that was trying to be there. No, like juveniles, juveniles. Oh, juveniles. Junior. I thought junior. Juveniles. <laughs> was he not a massive Rangers man in his younger days as well before he went was to he? the green and white side? Um, as I recall, Paul was absolutely a Rangers supporter as a child um, and then signed for Celtic and that changed. That's a... Uh, the big rumor about Craig Beatty was he had a Rangers <laughs> tattoo in his calf. And the first time I met him, I was like, do you have a... And he interrupted straight away. He's like, no, I don't. I get asked this all the time. So yeah, that must be a thing. Did he Did show you his calf though? Uh, do you know what? I've seen a lot more of Craig Beatty than I would have liked. <laughs> and that comes from lots of people who've already seen him topless. Uh, how, how, how do you feel about the game? Are you just confident? Well, I mean, um, that's a... It almost feels like a loaded question for an Aberdeen fan. Um, yeah, fair. I think that, you know, we came off a good win against Hearts on on Sunday. We have been a lot better at home, certainly. But, you know, Tannadice is still very much lingering in our minds, fresh as anything. Uh, pressure situations, Aberdeen. Yeah. Kind of like oil and water. So um, <laughs> I think it's, it's going to be a lot tighter than people might give credit. You guys are doing, you know, really well up the top end yeah. of the of the championship. I used to dread playing Ian McCall's Dundee United teams because they just always seem to get the better of us. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, things are made up for a potential upset, but I mean, I do think if we can perform, we will have enough for you. But it's going to be tough, yeah. Because it's weird, yeah, watching your results, like, because you coasted the group stage and then shat the bed against Annan. So we're lucky to get through that one. So that gives him a bit of confidence. Getting scudded off Dundee United. We, like you said, we are in pretty good form. I think uh, we've got points in 11 of our 15 games this season. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, all right. We lost Inverness, but we got someone sent off in the first half. Uh, we've put in some good performances. We've ground ones out, like um, on Saturday, uh, winning 2-1 against Hamilton. It depends what team we play, because... We we played a few was it two or three weeks ago in the whatever the Challenge Cup is called now whatever they've done it, um, and we put out a really strong reserve team because like Danny Mullins one of our backup strikers Anton yeah. Dowd is going to go every thirty five minutes and we got pumped by Falkirk it was two 0 going on seven or eight so we need a full strength team because believe it or not I know so I used to live next to Hamden see the amount of times I would get on the train say if I was going into town on a Sunday at four o'clock and it would be full of Aberdeen fans already 3-0 down at the three o'clock kickoff, just heading back to the pub. The amount of times that happened. The last time Thistle got to a cup semi-final was 2003. Same yeah, time yeah. we beat you. We <laughs> lost three. I was there. We lost 3-0 to Rangers. Christian Nerlinger got two, which shows how shit. <laughs> I, think, I think we've lost fat all over the last five or six quarterfinals. So it bodes well for you. Well, but yeah, you say that. It's to answer your question, Ray, I believe it's now very boring title it's just the spfl trust trophy it's all is wow. yeah yeah fucking dull that's um, not the ramsden's cup i'm not having no. the ramses cup man how good was it when ray over his beat rangers in the ramses cup final how so funny was we, that on so most, many different levels 
the most party thistle moment is the Ramsons Cup final. I think it'd be 2013 then. We were 1-0 down to Queen of the South, got a penalty in the 118th minute. Aaron Muirhead takes it, misses the penalty. Their player laughs at him. Aaron Muirhead headbutts him, <laughs> sent off. We score from the resulting corner and then we lose on penalties. And that is Partick Thistle summed up in four minutes. <laughs> I remember that. Um, yeah, I, I saw that start earlier on today, actually, about the fact that it was potentially a first Hamden trip for Thistle since yeah. 2003. I mean, but that's the thing for you guys, it's a shot. It's just, it's just a, it's a shot at it, isn't it? Like you can come up here, top the table. I know it's a cliche, but it is a free hit. Yeah, and also we need stuff like this because the stuff that's going around the club. I don't know how much you're into the kind of fan ownership thing just now. Um, some of the stuff at the club is uh, not not toxic, but close to it. There's um, a lot of kind of statements, and threats going from both parties. Um, it's just so to give you other kind of layman's terms, there's a Jags Foundation. I think they've got about 870 members, paying members. The Colin Weir, the guy who won the lottery, said to go into fan ownership. And what's happened is um, an agent has somehow got involved. And instead of it going to 870 fan group who's electing stuff like that, it was given to five fans who were kind of cherry picked by an agent, but they also don't have a seat in the board. There was six but one get caught looking at porno tweets. So he got punted within about 20 minutes. Um, and then since then, they had no engagement with fans. And then after two years, they get given all this stuff. And it's it's murky, it's messy, it's uncomfortable. And if you ever get a chance, James Kearney, who is, um, I don't know who the Aberdeen equivalent is for the Evening News, but he does for the uh, Evening Times in Glasgow. He's like the Thistle correspondent. His interviews on all of it are incredible because... He's kind of taken the approach of I'm not going to sugarcoat anything or cherry pick sentences. So sometimes he'll do the whole conversation he's had and oh, it's car crash after car crash after car crash. So it's something that I think if we say we get pumped tomorrow night, I mean, lose the next two and three games, atmosphere will change a little bit. So we're top of the league. We're fine. But I do think there is that kind of undercurrent there just now. And I guess... From the outside looking in, I mean, it seems to me as though like the 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 thistle support, generally speaking, are pretty well behind the kind of Jags Foundation on this one here. That that's what people want yes. to happen, and that makes it so much worse, doesn't it? When it's then just this kind of like small group versus the majority of what the support are after. Yeah, I think um, it's more the fact there's not been a lot of fan engagement. Like um, the Jags Foundation, they've been doing pin badges, so they did one for Jackie Husband. They did one also with Dave McFarlane, the first one I think actually, then Chris Doolin. And any extra money they get, there's a group of guys, Neil Cowan and a few others, who set up this uh, group called Jags for Good. And they do lots of fundraising. So I put a comedy gig on for them recently. Uh, we raised like three and a half grand. I think they've totaled over 10 grand for food banks and stuff like that and energy crisis. So the foundation are being very clever, to be honest. And any kind of spare money they'll donate to that cause, good PR. But also, it's just well intended. Yeah. Um, so those kind of people being around it also kind of it's just positive PR the whole time so yeah it's something that I would it won't affect the game tomorrow it won't affect the game in the next two or three weeks but it's something I think look out for because it's not going to go away it's starting to boil isn't it that's the thing it's like every time I look at it, it I think it's, like it's simmering, simmering. I think we've got to the boiling yeah yet. but yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. kind of starting to yeah eat its way there and you can almost sense it a few yeah we've put we've put some water in we've put some salt in <laughs> we're waiting um, yeah. We're not hip- we're our hipsters, so maybe we've put some oil of oil in. Obviously, <laughs> we're ready to go, and then we'll do that. So yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it's something I'm not 100 percent sure about. But then again, 
at least our owner doesn't go in sports sound shouting about stuff like Dave Cormack did. That was um, brilliant. Well, that was brilliant. It was quality. We were recording. I mean, that came obviously in the aftermath of um, us getting pumped in an evening kickoff in Dundee. Yeah. Um, it's a regular a thing, isn't theme. it? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should abandon this whole six o'clock kickoff yeah. idea. It doesn't seem to work Wait, for us. I thought that was a great idea, the six o'clock kickoff. I know you just get pumped. Like, did, what was the viewpoint of the fans? Did they all enjoy it? Apart from the game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Everything was great until about, five, until about 5.59, yeah. Fantastic. Regularly, I would say an away trip, the worst part of the away day is the three hours you're at the football. Yeah. Like, I always find that. Unquestionable. I think, like, for, I, personally, from my perspective, I think, like, a six o'clock kickoff Dundee, perfect. That's, yeah, yeah. That is pretty much sweet spot stuff for an away support from Aberdeen. Yeah. You know, it's only an hour down the road or whatever. Perfect. Um, it's just a shame that the twice we've done it, we've just shut the bed. <laughs> so, um, I don't know how many American, you know, supporters were picking up off the back of that. Um, but there Fair. we go. But yeah, that, um, that sports sound interview is just, you know, something else, isn't it? It's just hard to, hard to put into words. I think we chatted before, I think I'd, when I was doing the Sports Sound um, yeah. preview podcast and we're chatting about it and stuff like that, Aberdeen signed well in the summer. Everything about their transfer business, I do not understand. Whether <laughs> it's uh, Ronald Hernandez, was that, that, is that what he's called? Is that the right name? Ronnie, uh, yeah. Ronnie Hernandez. Yeah. Yeah. Everything about that suggests Netflix series in about six years. Um, there was uh, Miofsky spent a lot of money on him. Yep. J. Emmanuel Thomas last year, debut in Europe, doing really well, released by March or April or stuff like that. It's David Bates, I thought was a great signing. And then it just things just don't seem to happen. Yeah, I, I like last season's recruitment. I mean, we I don't know how many episodes Gavin did we dedicate to talk about last season's recruitment. Um 52 a in a calendar year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like <laughs> it started off and you're like, okay, cool, we'll be looking in good shape. And then it very quickly just dawned on everybody that this was it looked more like it was just signing players for the sake of signing players rather yeah, than yeah. We've been signing here. players who actually kind of, you know, fat into the system you were looking for or what you were trying to do. I mean, if you're trying to play an expansive brand of football with a high press, J. Manuel Thomas is not the guy you want leading the line for that. Um anybody can and if you want to that. play up from if you want to play up from the back, Declan Gallagher is definitely not the man you want for that job. So yeah. But you know what? But that's their fault, isn't it? Because you'll see how he's playing at St. Marin back in the Scotland squad. Like, yeah. I yeah. think it, and there's been lots of players that have kind of done Thistle and Aberdeen. But it's, it's it seems like a weird connection. Like, do you remember because the ones I was thinking of earlier, just before we started, I was saying like Lee Hines, Ricky Gillis. Lee Hines, uh, fucking hell. I completely forgot about Lee Hines. There Lee Hines on his Thistle debut played a ball back to the keeper from our third against Clyde. 50 yard ball, 50 yard ball back. Uh, fucked it and they scored and we won 2 1. They, they, we lost 2 1. Aberdeen my... signed Lee Hines from Clyde, didn't we? There we, we did, go. yes. Did you? Maybe oh, a, maybe a wee, There we go. Yeah. There was, um, is, that after, is that after Jimmy Caldwell came in and he packed Lee Hines off? Because he was a little bit chunky. I think no. he probably came to us then. Coming back think, after uh, preseason. Yeah. Let me just go see whether it was him that came straight to us. There's been tons over the years. Like you were saying, Isaac Osborne, who I completely forgot played for us for a little bit. I um, only remember that because so when Partick came up back up to the top flight under Alan Archibald, it was also Derek McInnes' first season, and we were down there. And Mark Kerr was on the bench and Mark Kerr was not getting as nice a reception from the Aberdeen fans as Isaac was, which uh, maybe shows the value of their contributions. We did not get championship manager Mark Kerr, let's just say that. Yeah, I don't think anyone did. That was the worst part. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I think think the atmosphere tomorrow is going to be great. Like the fact that the club have put on 
because also that's another thing like out the back of it the club are trying to kind of spin it a little bit um so i think i think i'm right in saying let me double check it's free supporters buses um on the way up so you're going to get the original allocation was 300 yeah sold it out and then sold out the next allocation so it's going to be great for a Wednesday night. The atmosphere will good. Yeah, Do you think you, you will bring a good support? I I can't see it, to be honest, um, Wednesday night. I mean, I'd like to think so because, you know, cup quarterfinal, chance to get back to Hamden. We kind of really need a bit of a... We need a feel-good thing going on as well, yeah. to be honest. And Goodwin needs it. It's, it's the first opportunity for Goodwin to get us to, semi, to, get us to Hamden. So from his perspective with the supporters, I think it's a big night for him. Um, but you know, it's one of these. It's not in the season book. It's uh, inverted commas yeah. lower league team. Is it you know exciting enough? I don't know what the weather's meant to be like tomorrow. Night. I, I sometimes think as well, like Wednesday night games often get affected up here by what the weather's like and how grim it's going to be down at the beach. And you have that horrible last minute decision of can I really be arsed? Yeah, oh, mate. Yeah, especially get kids. Like I get that midweek <laughs> games are usually better for me because I'm usually gigging at the weekend. Yeah. So if this had been at Far Hill, I could like because I'll finish gigging at half six. And I could have just nipped up and gone to it. But weekends, like, I probably get to five games a year, maybe, if I'm lucky. It just depends, because I'm always yeah. away. So that's why one of the things, the 3pm not being allowed to stream games anymore is brutal. Because yeah. over I mean, the last yeah. two years, that's been brilliant for me. I was on, I did a tour support for like six months. And uh, it's so funny, see the amount of times, like, we were playing a 7.45 kickoff. I remember I'd be like, saying to people, oh, I'm going to watch this. And then... By about quarter past nine, I'd already switched the laptop off. <laughs> like, we're down three now. Doesn't doesn't matter, lads. Let's just go to the pub. It's a uh, absolute classic thistle. Yeah, that's. I, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those. I reckon maybe just under the ten thousand mark or something would probably be about where it might be tomorrow. Um, it's not bad for a Wednesday, is it? Yeah, it should be all right. Um, but yeah, it's a big game. It's a massive game for 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 Goodwin. Like I said earlier on, um, if you were a betting man, Ray, yeah, predictions then for for tomorrow night. What do you think? Uh, I lose every bet I do, pretty much. So I'm going to predict Aberdeen to win. So like, <laughs> I've done, every election I've voted in, I've lost too. So I don't mind that. Uh, I think I think it could go to extra time, you know. We've got a couple, a couple of players to look out for. We've got a guy on loan from Rangers called Cole McKinnon, who's excellent. Excellent. Uh, the Sun ran a story, I think, a couple of weeks ago that Newcastle are looking at him. Okay. Um, just really good. Our defence has been Good. We've got a guy, Harry Milne, who I don't know if I've seen touch on Harry Milne, yeah, because we were linked with him. Cove Rangers, yeah. Yeah, he's um, he's really good. He's really good. He's started the season really well, dropped off a little bit, but he's playing quite well just now. And then um, Brian Graham. Brian Graham, just his goal record for us is incredible. And also, I don't know if you've seen Anton Doubts, uh, his minute per goal ratio it's, it's is like, it's like 40 minutes. Yeah. And in all the top leagues in the world, I think Anton Dowd's is top. Obviously, sadly, we're in the championship, so it's not a top league. <laughs> but uh, he's, yeah, he's doing great. So we've got a much stronger squad than we did last year. The worry is, is this a big squad because we've pushed all the money into this mm. to try and get promoted? And if this year it doesn't happen, we go back to dropping down a little bit. Because the three forwards have at the top of the championship. Brian Graham won't be cheap. Anton Dowd. And our third-choice striker is Danny Mullen, who was at Dundee last year. Yeah. So... Pushing the boat out, signed Aidan Fitzpatrick for money off Queen of the South. Um, Steve Lawless has come back and is... Because Dunfermline fans were saying, why are you signing him? He was rotten for us. And do you know how sometimes players just click with certain clubs? Yeah. He he is doing that with us. I wish certain players would click with us. That'd <laughs> yeah. be nice. Um, what is um, Miofsky? Is he still scoring? He's uh, been off the boil a little bit recently. Yeah. But it's okay because we've got Luis Lopez, aka Duke. Yeah. So Duke, we're all yeah. we're all good. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, Aaron Muir, if Aaron Muirhead plays, I think he could have a rough night if uh, so. if Duke can get him, you know, facing the opposite direction and running in behind. I think it, I think it will be Aaron Muirhead and uh, Kevin Holt playing centre half tomorrow. I think that's ah, probably yes. the way we'll line up. And I w- wouldn't put it past Aaron Muirhead to headbutt someone. So <laughs> like, that might be in our favour. I don't know. How do they defend against strikers with one leg? <laughs> I don't know. We, we, we don't play many Paralympic teams. No, so I'm not really sure. Lewis Nielsen struggled big time with us on Sunday afternoon. Oh. So, um, one of the funniest goals, I don't know if you've seen it yet, Aberdeen's second no. goal from Sunday. One of the no. funniest goals I've ever seen in the flesh. I mean, Duke has been on the deck a couple of minutes before cramping up. He gets up, chases oh, down really? a loose ball, and runs away from a player while he's cramping. Well, I mean, hopped <laughs> away. Hopped yeah. away from him while he's, while he's cramping. Comes past another two players while still cramping. Plays a wonderful through ball past Robert Snodgrass while cramping and sets up Bajewin for the second goal. It's one of the, it's like, whenever you watch it back again, it's like, am I watching the slow motion replay already? <laughs> oh no, it's real time. That's how, that's how that happened. Unbelievable stuff. Um, I, I don't um, fully understand Dundee United and Hearts this year at all because you would have thought, Hearts would have been the tougher game for you over the last two weeks. Like, so maybe it's you guys as well. I don't know. Wait, what what did I say when I came on the BBC Sports Thing predictor for the season? What did I say? I don't know. There was a lot of shame spoken, so I can't remember. Hearts are not as good as they think they are last season. Oh, and yes, I was going to create yeah, beef people, about this. Yeah, people, it was flames. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. No, and you were fair. so polite though when we were talking to Joel Scared about them. <laughs> you have to be, don't you? <laughs> They've, uh, Hearts have won five of the last 21 games or something like that, so. Yeah, he'll be breaking out the airplane soon again, I think, for, for Robbie to go. Um, but yeah, there the, we go. He's a lovely man. I've met him a couple of times. He's just a genuinely lovely... Never met Jim Goodwin. Uh, I, I, someone told me he smells lovely. Can't remember who it I was. Can, I can believe that. Yeah. 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 Jim's probably, someone nice. sits, probably the guy who sits next to him at Parkhead. I find that mental. Ian McCall's a Rangers fan and he went to Seville and people were kicking off about that. Oh, Obviously, you guys had Lewis Ferguson and Robbie McCrory. Um, don't uh, don't, Ross start, McCrory, with, sorry, don't start with that chat again. We're, we're just uh, over that now. <laughs> I still but, think Ross McCrory got really unlucky with that a little bit because of the fact that he'd kind of gone under the radar with the whole thing and then he got clocked on... What's the guy's name? Is it Thogden? You know, the yeah. YouTube blogger he guy. Actually- <laughs> he got clocked in that in the row in front. Like He totally like almost undercovered the whole thing. <laughs> And then it was later on, someone was like, that looks like Ross McCrory. And then people oh. are then like, just like zooming in and going all fucking CIA on it. And you're like, that yeah, is Ross McCrory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not what football fans need, is it? No, definitely not. Definitely not. So you're going, uh, what did you say? Uh, I think time. we'll go to extra time and then I don't know what will happen then. It just depends. Will you go full strength, do you think? Or do you think you'll bring guys in like Ramirez and stuff like that? I imagine we go full strength. I think we have to go full strength. It's too big a game for Goodwin. Too big Jim Goodwin... All through the group stages, you know, against Sterling Albions and yeah. the Dumbartons of yeah. this world, we played. Jim Goodwin said, I'll play my strongest 11 whenever okay. it's possible. So I, what that looks like, we're not exactly sure whether we'll stick with the three at the back with McCrory supporting uh, Scales and Stuart. And we have Connor Barrendor and Leighton Clarkson. <laughs> <laughs> I was chatting to uh, some footballers about uh, Clarkson yesterday, just talking about how sometimes... Um, the loanies we get from big clubs sent up here don't work, whether it's a long staff, for example, or we've had so many duds um, over the years. Um, but Clarkson seems to be doing decent. I mean, scoring a world day in your first game doesn't doesn't like give you too much trouble, does it? He's got a lot about him, yeah. I think they said, who was, 
I'm trying to think which football it was it was saying they said that he's got the vibe of a Dylan Levitt where he'll do well in Scotland go back down maybe and then come back up and sign for an Aberdeen or something like that or Hearts rather than make it to the Liverpool first team yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean you can't exactly see him breaking him past who've Liverpool got in centre midfield at the moment like Thiago all, no one, and, no one. <laughs> like they're all injured like, um, but even then, you know, it's, it's not happening, yeah. you know, um, okay. despite Jurgen Klopp's claims of them being penniless, they will just go and sign someone for a hundred million. Yes, yeah. yes, so, yeah. which they repeatedly do. Exactly. So, but he's, he's, he's doing all right. He just needs yeah. to find, I think, a bit of rhythm, get a bit of game time. Get some yeah, he's been game. kind of in and out of the team a lot and we've shuffled the deck a lot this season already. So. Yeah. yeah, but I think we maybe stumbled across a formation on Sunday that might work for us. So hopefully that'll help us. <laughs> Ten games in the season. Yeah. What, uh, what are you predicting? I believe last night I said 2-1, and I'm sticking with that. I think it'll be a tense okay. game, but I can't good. even remember. Yeah. It's good you're picking us to win, man. Thank you. <laughs> no no danger, mate. No danger. <laughs> I can't even remember what I said. I, I, I fancy us, but I think it might be like an extra time job as well. Um, but it'll be interesting because I think if, if this will come up and you know get a goal early doors especially, could just get a little bit a little yeah, bit touchy, I, I think, that. as well. Love that. Love that. So, I'll be, what am I doing tomorrow? So I'll be gigging. Yeah, I'll probably listen to it in Sports Sound, I think. Because you won't even be able to find a potential stream either, I don't think. What's the game in the telly? Is it Rangers or Celtic tomorrow? Which one are they putting on? I think they put them both on tomorrow night, aren't they? Oh, yeah, of course they are. Yeah, yeah. Because they've got Motherwell kicks off at less stupid o'clock. It's like quarter past six or something. <laughs> Motherwell settles quarter past six, which I presume means both games yes. are on telly. I forgot they did that, yeah, because fans are kicking off. But also, do you remember, where did you beat Annan? Would that have been... Late August? It's been a while ago now. Yeah, yeah. It I seems like it's been ages. This. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I was... Because uh, I was trying to remember earlier who we beat. It seems so long ago, but um, I think... Uh, yeah, I think hopefully we get an early goal, make it a bit touchy up there, and uh, everyone has a great trip back down the A90, which is an oxymoron, but we <laughs> will hopefully come away, not even with a few points, but a wee semi-final. And statistically... If we win the semi-final, uh, the quarter-final, we've got a good chance of being on Premier Sports because we'll probably <laughs> play Rangers or Celtic, so we'll be fine. Uh, Ray, uh, we very much appreciate you coming on the show tonight, but um, we cannot let you leave without talking about a certain mark in part of this whole season history because you guys Which have one? fit a lot into the four years since you've been out of the, of the top flight, including a relegation, yeah. which I completely forgot about. Um, and oh yeah, got, down, oh, a, a, a relegation with an asterisk on it. With an asterisk, of course, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> we got relegated with a game in hand when we were two points behind. Like it's mad, <laughs> like absolutely mad. But um, but of course, after you initially were relegated from the top flight, the board kept faith with Alan Archibald. Didn't really work out. He was removed, and yeah. then you went big. You went with a Scottish FA Hall of Famer. Is he in the Hall of Fame? He's not fifty caps. Not. Is it, yeah. Oh, is that the no, okay? That's a criteria, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Okay. James McFadden's not in it. James McFadden's only got eight, uh, 48. Uh, Gary Caldwell, gonna... tell us about your memories of the time with Gary Caldwell in the hot seat. I'm going to read you this 15th of October 2018. We appointed Gary Caldwell, and I tweeted, Good appointment of Caldwell for Thistle, I think. Won a league with Wigan, get international and European experience, and not one of the names in the managerial merry go round. Also, in saying this, I could be talking guff and he might be shite. Uh, I wish I'd look to say, but I've kept that up. And also, Stuart Cosgrove replied, Big mates with Kenny Miller, watch this space, says someone that knows nothing. <laughs> we brought Kenny Miller in um, and they were playing. Kenny Miller just pointed. Um, <laughs> I 
think he's probably one of the most negative influences in a club in a long time. Um, do you ever get managers? Because you you've had a few managerial merry-go-rounds. I mean, could be argued with Jim Good, uh, Goodwin with the way Constantine uh, was the media. I think it was messy, wasn't it? Right. So yes, yes. We um, we sold uh, Gary Caldwell sold Chris Erskine to Livingston. Chris Erskine, club legend, didn't want to do it for free. So I have this in pretty good authority. So this could be made up. I'm not sure it is. Uh, we sold them for a pound. So it said undisclosed fee. Um, I've heard that from three different footballers, which makes me think that could be a thing. Um, There's, we released club legend Chris Doolin in the middle of his testimonial season. And they tweeted about it before he'd left the building. So his wife found out he'd been released via Twitter. (laughs) Um, So I do a lot of radio. I was lucky enough to present off the ball. And one of the guests was Gary Caldwell. Uh, I believe someone quite high up in uh, Radio Scotland said it's some of the most awkward radio they've ever heard. It was like if you knew the backstory, yeah. Like if you didn't really know it, it, it looked okay, like it sounded fine. But if you knew it, it was like, oh, this is a bit like. I'm a big believer in, and I'm very lucky. I love doing what I do, and um, but sometimes people do a bad job and get welcomed into media roles straight away. And that happens quite a lot, and it's never really mentioned. Sometimes it gets brought up. I've seen Peter Grant get ribbed quite a lot about his Dunfermline things. He's aware of it, things like that. So I, I'd said, let me have a couple of questions. So the first question I asked him, on, and also he, someone told him a tweet about him. So I think he'd read a tweet that said, Gary Caldwell's been sacked, and I'll have a stoner for the next 48 hours. <laughs> so I think that played a part in it as well. And then um, we appoint him. We He does all right. And then does terribly. And the two things that um, <laughs> the first one was I asked him, so we're three up against Queen of the South. He's about to release Chris Doolan two, uh, two days later. And I said, why did you not bring him on for a farewell if you knew you were release him? And he said, I wanted to win the game. <laughs> At that time, he brought Gary Harkins on to just nutmeg people. So I said something like, I think you're an idiot. And that's how he started two hours of live radio. <laughs> and then later on, uh, there was a question and to be fair to him he was really good at answering everything shook hands at the end it was awkward at points though because he said I don't know if you remember he put our players on an SAS training day and uh, Brayson Twambe ran away and started crying and the SAS hunted him down like all this stuff <laughs> and I said why did you do that and he said I wanted to get our players used to tough situations and do you know that way you speak without thinking yeah. and I just said on air because you're a bad, bad manager and you knew we were going to be in a relegation battle and there was silence. And I'll never forget, we got an email in, or text or an email to the show saying, that was so awkward, I wanted to crash my car. Which <laughs> sums up. And since then, um, we've never crossed paths. He's gone on to have a few jobs. He was Maloney's assistant at Hips. Yep. He's been Newcastle's loan manager. He's been Man City's under-23s coach. Um I've never seen someone fail upwards so much in all of my life. Well, unless so, you remember the Tory party, that's the only other way. It yes, happens. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we can see. I, I, would Gary Caldwell do a better job than Liz Truss? I don't know. Oh. Like, I mean, he did turn up to every game that we had, <laughs> which is all you can ask for. So, yeah, that was it. And um, it's been good. Like, that's what I love. Like, when we met with doing the Premiership preview podcast, I love doing that. And I think that's something that might be happening again soon is a mixture of 
professional viewpoint and fan viewpoint because let's be honest, podcasting has changed media, hasn't it? Like you guys are probably more in the know chatting about Aberdeen than maybe some of the people covering Aberdeen will be tomorrow night. So why not get a balance of those two? Yeah, I think it's a, uh, uh, it's an interesting point, isn't it? I think we've spoken about that a lot as well recently because it's like, especially if you're, I think if you're a fan of a, I hate using this phrase, provincial club, but like where you don't get the same media attention that the yeah, the, yeah. the big two get. And so the space... You've Willie Miller, he's on air all the time. I know, I know. Willie's fucking unbelievable. Um, <laughs> there are times also where Willie's like, I listened to Willie on the way back from... Um, told you yes and him and Craig Levine were talking and there was points where I was like were you guys watching the same game of football I watched because there was a lot of chat about how it was a great game of football first half and I'm like that first half was fucking murder like it was yeah. fucking terrible and there was a lot of chat about I can't remember which player it was they picked out and they were like excellent really good and I was like it was Jaden Richardson Jaden Richardson made it into one of the teams of the week this this week I can't remember which pundit it was that talked about it anyway you know when you're a bit like I think that's something yeah, yeah. the name out of a hat that's all that's happened there um but yeah I mean I think when I mean, Aberdeen are fortunate. We've got like three podcasts on the go at the moment um, that, that cover Aberdeen. They've all got a very different kind of twist on how, how things are done. But I think there's a lot to be said for it. And like, I really enjoyed yeah. that segment. It was great fun. And it was good, like you say, because you get that kind of professional's viewpoint. But I think there's a lot to be said for the fans as well. We, yep. we did it with Brian and Brian's an Aberdeen fan yeah, as well. So that that that's a slightly different twist on things. But yeah, I think that podcasting has potentially changed the way that people view the game and you the way that people that talk about now- the game. Like, uh, I did a thing with Robbie Savage yesterday and he was saying that his TV show on BT Sport is no longer there. But what's replaced it, I've noticed, is a kind of podcast version yeah. that's kind of been put on the telly. And that's just the way I think it's going to go, which is good. So I look forward to you guys when Aberdeen becomes an independent colony and you just have a show on Grampian or whatever it will be uh, <laughs> up there. And I'll come up and guest in it when you are in League 2. I'll just be chatting about you. <laughs> Cannot wait to when that when that oil money runs out, lads. Enjoy the it. Well, renew- the renewable money will just kick in. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Ray, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Because like this is hilarious. Because when we did the BBC Sportsman thing, I think I jokingly messaged you off the back of being like, "We'll get you on whenever we play like the Dons of Thistle play." And it was like, <laughs> yeah. "Okay, yeah, haha, whatever. That will never happen." And then it was like, "Fuck me, it's actually coming yeah, out of the hat." And the first happened. thing was like. Yeah, right on the phone. And then uh, I feel bad because I've had to rearrange like three times. <laughs> so we got it. We got there in the end. Got there in the end. Fun. Uh, I look forward to playing news next season um, four times a season because, yeah, your good run can't last forever. So see you down there. Looking forward to it. In the championship in the Premier League. What are we talking about? <laughs> we'll soon see. We'll soon see. Ray Bradshaw, thank you so much for joining us on the ABZ Football Podcast. No worries. Cheers, guys. So, gents, after speaking with Ray, your predictions for Wednesday evening. I think we said this before when we played Aaron um, away from home that it, it probably will be as easy as we'd like to think uh, facing a lower league side at home. But I do believe that we will have enough to to get past uh, part of this. So I don't expect it to be pretty. I think it will be nervous at times, but I think we will just about have enough uh, with the options we have. And I think we're going to come away with a 2-0 victory. I'm along the lines of Gavin, you used the phrase just about have enough. I I can't see anything other than quite a close game. I'd be amazed if one team, hopefully us, went out and you know wrapped it up early doors and it was 3-4-0. I'd be surprised if that was the, the case. Where I'm a little bit nervous is, I mean, Aaron was not great. Not to keep harping on about it, but 
I don't know the reason for the capitulation at Tannadice, but I bet me thinks maybe pressure, you know, massive away crowd, all the expectation was on Aberdeen, didn't deliver. Probably not going to be a huge crowd at the game. I don't think we've sold a huge number of tickets, so maybe not quite that element of it, but ultimately it's a, it's a pressure situation because, as one of you said earlier, it's free hit for Partick. It doesn't mean they don't care, but the, the, the expectation is not on them. It's all on Aberdeen, and that's not always when we're at our best, which is why I, I do think we'll win, but I think it will be a little nervier than people would like. So I'm going to go for 2-1. Good stuff. I'm, um, I'm going to go a little bit more cagey, I think. I think Aberdeen... 2-1 after extra time, uh, after it being a bit nervous. Um, Duke with both goals for Aberdeen, obviously. And we see their place at Hamden. Can't wait to see Duke tearing up at Hamden. Big wide pitch like that, just give him the ball, make him run. Fucking lovely stuff. Uh, let's move on anyway, because after Wednesday night, we move on to Saturday. We travelled to Fir Park for the first time this season. Graham's just tanning a beer at the sheer mention of Fir Park. And we travel hoping upon hope that we can finally end that horrendous statistic about not winning an away game in the league anywhere other than Livingston or St. Johnston since December 2020 and to avenge the 3-2 defeat that Motherwell doled out to us earlier in the season. Now, after the weekend's fixtures, well under new boss Stevie Hamill, currently sitting in eighth spot. Of course, the last time we played Motherwell, it was the North Lanarkshire side themselves who were in all sorts of bother. Graham Alexander had been emptied after their horrendous defeat to Sligo Rovers in Europe. It's still quite funny. Let's not try and pretend otherwise. It's a first visit back to Fir Park since Jim Goodwin's first game in charge, a 1-1 draw on the 19th February 2022, which of course came just a week after a 2-1 defeat in the Scottish Cup, which ultimately was the end of Stephen Glass's reign at Pataudry. And it's fair to say our record at Motherwell in the league is, uh, let's call it sketchy. Shall we? Oh, rancid is the word you're looking for. Sorry, rancid. There we go. This will be our 140th meeting between the sides at Fir Park. So far, the well have a winning record by just one of 49. Uh, we've not won at Fir Park since October 2019. A 3-0 win, which is probably more infamous for Sam Cosgrove's chip over Gillespie, a midfield duo of Greg Lee and Zach Viner, and a fine goal by Niall McGinn. Um... Fine goal by Zach Viner as well, if I remember rightly. It was an alright hit, wasn't it? Yeah, 25 yeah. yards or so, right in the corner. Remember though, we kind of fluked away, like a 3-0 win there, and like McInnes then decided that Viner and Lee could actually potentially be a centre midfield pairing for a while, and it was like... Well, it worked against Kilmarnock in the next game. Curtis Main got a smashing diving header. Then I think we played Rangers and they played us off the park, and that was the end of it. 2-2 draw though, wasn't it? Somehow. Yeah, anyway. Somehow. <laughs> there we go. Anyway. Let's move on to the data. Uh, right, here we go. This is where it all becomes very familiar. They've only scored three goals at home all season in the league so far. They've only got one win at Fir Park in the league so far as well going into next Saturday. Uh, Kevin Van Veen, their top goal scorer, was seven in the league. Um, they are pretty much the most bang average team in the league. And I mean that with the greatest of respect. Statistically, you you Statistically mean, speaking, of course you mean that with the most respect. Um, averaging 1.3 goals a game, which means they sit fifth on that metric. They've conceded the exact same, an average of 1.3 goals a game, which means they also sit fifth on that metric. Average possession, 48%, which means they're sixth on that one. Defensively, they're looking all right. They've conceded 14 goals, which is the lowest 
uh, amount conceded in the bottom six at this moment in time. Hamels, like, I watched a little bit of Sevco Motherwell today. Hamels received some plaudits for trying, it would appear, to change their style of play. But I've not really seen much of a difference in the way Motherwell are trying to play football, truth be told. Um, maybe fewer fouls? Maybe, I don't really know. Like they've only I'm s- clutching at straws here. Only seven of their goals this season have come from open play. They're certainly getting the ball moved up the park quickly. They're third in the league at the direct speed metric. They're moving the ball on average 1.76 metres per second. They're kind of middle-ish in the league in terms of style. Seventh in the table for the number of 10-plus pass sequences so far. In terms of direct attacks, this is where I think it's more interesting about them. In terms of direct attacks, they're second in the league, only to Hibs. That means the number of open play sequences that they start in their own half and they've got at least 50% movement towards the opposition goal when they end with a shot or a touch in the opposition box. They've had 20 of those this season. Um, Aberdeen, for comparison, we're tw- we've only had 12 of those types of attacks this season. Um, one of the more higher pressing teams, fourth in the league in PPDA. Who am I going to go to this week? Uh... Graham. Passes per defensive action. There we go, 11.3 just ahead of Aberdeen on 11.7. So they're kind of doing a bit of a high press, but you know, you, you see what we do week in, week out, so it's, it's not particularly intense. And anyway, I, I've, I've got very little to talk about Motherwell, to be honest. It feels like every week we're playing Motherwell, and I know that's not the case, but it feels like we're playing Motherwell every week. Um, if, was there not that spell last season where we had them, like, league and cup and the youth team yeah, continually and the women's playing team. them. People yeah, ladies so, played each other well. Yeah, yeah it, it definitely did feel like it was just, you didn't even have to check the list. It's just like one variant of Aberdeen is playing one variant of Motherwell and it's probably going to end up not in our favour. Somehow Kevin Van Veen scores the winner in all of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I was going to be honest, like that's the data, but let's be honest, we all know what's going to happen, don't we? Um, it's a straight toss-up between can Aberdeen finally get that away win or... Is it going to be Kevin Van Veen with the only goal of the game in a scrappy niggly affair? You, of course, mean Kevin Van Nistelrooy, Baston, Percy. Yeah, he, he was garbage today when I watched them. Yeah, I mean, he's, he wasn't he, playing Aberdeen. I know. <laughs> well, I was going to say, he does appear to have achieved a little bit more consistency. I think he's got more goals now than he did at this spell uh, last season. And that's with only playing Aberdeen once. The portion there about... Uh, Motherwell being a high-pressing team, and we saw that at Pataudry when they came here mm-hmm. and did a real job on us. That's concerning because, you know, I think of Motherwell, I think of Tannadice, um, our midfield has not really stood up to that test with any uh, real aplomb to date. Um, yeah, we should know what we're going to get, and the players need to be aware of what's expected of them and what they need to to do to, to come away with a positive result. I mean, we need to get this hoodoo off our back as soon as possible because it's just going to grow and grow and grow the longer it goes on and really hamper our chances of succeeding in either the league or or the cups for that matter so we're, we're not going to keep playing at Pataudry, um all season so I'm not quite sure exactly how I see this happening but yeah we um, just need to be willing and ready and willing for the fight at, at Fair Park because that's what we're going to get yeah that, that away record is just tragic but it is worth mentioning that, yeah, as you said, they have, if you discount the League Cup, they have only won one home fixture so far this season. So their home form is not great either. It's nil-nil, isn't it? 
a team that can't win at home versus a team that can't win it's away. The, uh, it's the irresistible force meeting the immovable object. <laughs> if you're going to do it, this is the best place to potentially do it. It's a place that feels like a real bogey ground for us. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine it's going to be an exciting occasion. You say that, <sighs> be the first weekend of VAR. Oh, oh yes, of course. Aye. Okay, uh, well, you can cut that out, Gav. Um, I think for all the wrong reasons, it's probably going to be a really exciting occasion because uh, I think, I don't know if you guys know this, it's the first week of VAR, and I have the total utmost confidence that we will not make an absolute massive clusterfuck of the implementation. Just on that, am I right in saying we don't have goal line technology in Scotland? We don't, know. Apart Was from it hand, like an extra 50p a month or something? We couldn't, couldn't stretch with our brilliant new TV deal? I don't know how that will apply with VAR. Does anyone, how will that work with VAR? Do we know? Well, VAR is someone on like fucking Snapchat or something like that <laughs> reviewing clips of the game. I generally can't understand. Yeah. I can't understand why we don't have goal line technology. And actually, just as a sort of a slight point, I can't understand why we're implementing this halfway through a season. Well, we're that's, not the, through a season but that's the most ridiculous thing for during me. During a season, I can't get my head around that. That's just utter... Yeah, that, well, I was going to say it's lunacy, but it's just Scottish football, isn't it? Cannot, just, yeah, you cannot bring match-changing factors like that in effectively half. I think it's crazy. Match. Yeah, just skews your competition. Um, anyway, so exciting from the point of view of R because I'm sure it will be a total mess. But from the football point of view, it's going to be a pretty tough old watch for anyone that's in attendance. I'm very, I'm very just on the sort of, I'm really intrigued by this because I'm looking at the Scottish FA's own um, press release about it. So they're saying they're bringing in Hawkeye technology, which I thought was the stuff that was the goal line technology. I thought it was goal line, but I thought I'd read somewhere that we didn't have it, but I might well, be wrong. They say I've been wrong they, before. They say, um, where am I? Let me read it. Where am I? Or is that the stuff when they're like measuring whether your fingernail is like ahead of the last defender? Hawk, yeah, so... I thought Hawkeye was to determine whether you were out leg before wicket. <laughs> you can take your cricket shy out of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hawkeye. Um, How did he know he, that was a cricket reference? Exactly, because he loves cricket. <laughs> um, yeah, Hawkeye technology is introduced as well as part of this with SPFL production partner QTV providing the central facility. So that'll be hilarious. There'll be one camera, you know, following the lines of his bully he'd around. Missing everything. Um, no, it will just be one camera on the opposite of the old firm goal. So it's like, yeah. oh, yep, Hebs' shot didn't cross the line. Celtics, oh, we weren't watching that goal. And what what they've said on VAR is that they'll assist in relation to uh, clear and obvious errors or a serious missed incident in relation to the following. Straight red cars, penalty area incidents, goals. So... I don't know if that means we do have goal line technology or if they'll just rely on the cameras hopefully being good enough to make it... Or maybe it was at different levels. I'm sure I saw something. Which will be interesting from the one angle that we'll probably have at the football about whether that was a goal or not. Try and guess from like... On the halfway line. The halfway line, yeah, I know. um, Oh no, they've said here that each game will now have at least six cameras at them. There we go. I repeat, not pointing at the Rangers or Celtic goal. It's going to be fucking hilarious. I, I see it at ground. See it grounds who don't have like screens and stuff, like Potosi, for example. It's going to be great fun just trying to work out what's going on, isn't it? I can't wait. No different to normal refereeing. I don't know if we'll just use it. Will we just use the the LED boards? I wonder, just to be like, it's a VAR thing. I don't know. It's going to be very intriguing. I, I said this during the week. One part of me is like, this is going to be. Horrendous. The other part of me is like, I cannot wait for the absolute 
peak banter that this is going to introduce to Scottish football. Well, I mean, if if, if VAR is here to assist with clear and obvious errors, then it is going to be working overtime anytime <laughs> Don Robertson is officiating a match. Surely they're not just going to have one set of guys watching this. You know how they've normally got it, like, you know, down down south, it's like, oh, they're... they're yeah, we're, like, they... open all mics. Just one poor bastard getting yeah. red alarms flashing <laughs> yeah. off in his control room <laughs> with a whole lot of clips to watch. That's what I mean, like... You know how down south it's like, oh, the guy at the control room at like St. George's Park, it's one guy watching all the games, and you're like, all right, fine, whatever. In Scotland, like you say, there's going to be some poor bastard, just, you switch it off, he'll switch it down after like five minutes. Server couldn't handle it. <laughs> it's, it's like America where you get like Amber alerts and stuff like that, I'll just be like yeah. flashing up on screen, Ross Callahan alert, like what's he done now? <laughs> Dismembered someone. No, no um, need to look at that, red card penalty. <laughs> Murray Davidson. He's not that type of player. <laughs> nope, um, red card. Was it today? So we're, oh, we're talking here on Sunday that Arsenal and Leeds, the game had to be a ba- like paused because they'd lost signal to VAR. Well, was that the reason? I just saw it was paused for like technical issues, but I assumed I was at the stadium. What, so they they actually stopped the game. That's what they suspected on um on the um on BBC Sports Sound. Uh... But yeah, yeah, they just stopped the game because they couldn't get the signal to. Uh, that's far. Great fucking fun, isn't that? That will be interesting because if you ever tried to check the scores at half time at Pataudry, you can't <laughs> yeah. get a three or a four G signal. So how the hell are you going to be beaming live pictures to some chump in a van somewhere? Never <laughs> going to happen. Some chump in a van somewhere is the best description of VAR I've heard so far. Um, anyway, so will Aberdeen? Will we? Will we make history again? Will we be the first? team um next week to suffer as a result of VAR. Let's be honest, we probably all know the truth, don't we? It'll absolutely be us. Um I think we have the makings of a quiz question here, don't we? Absolutely. Definitely. So um predictions then for, for next Saturday's trip to North Lanarkshire. Nil nil with three goals disallowed because of VAR. Three three perfectly legitimate goals ruled out <laughs> for VAR. With no yes. explanation forthcoming about why they've been ruled out. Correct. Um, I will say Bobby Madden with a massive throbber in the control room about the power at his hands. <laughs> <laughs> he, can, uh, he, can, he can shaft Aberdeen over remotely now. <laughs> Could someone release his footage from inside the van and there is only a deny button. There's no approval <laughs> button. <laughs> I am going to be, real in my mind, realistic. I'm not going to predict an away victory because that's just... Doesn't happen. Basically, I think it could be a one-one draw, with Aberdeen denied a penalty via video assistant referee. Lovely, great stuff. Um, Motherwell nil, Aberdeen two. Jim Goodwin's team rack up a second clean sheet in a row, and Duke run try it once again, noising up the lads. You know the wee lads in the corner. Ah, the crash. Yeah, scores two and just heads straight over there and properly noises them all up. I want a lot of parents consoling crying children at the end yeah, of nine minutes. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. There we go. How dare how dare you do that to my wee Anthony? <laughs> I think <laughs> I think that probably wraps it up, does it? Yeah. Yeah. I go. feel this has been a much uh, calmer affair than last week. It's amazing what a wind does to the blood pressure, isn't let's, it? Uh, let's wait for episode sixty seven. Mm-hmm. And that does wrap up this week's episode of the abz football podcast thanks for joining us please remember to like subscribe or follow or whatever you want to do on your podcast player of choice 
Join us next week for episode 67, where we'll look back over our fixtures with Partick Thistle and Motherwell, and we'll take a look ahead to our first visit this season to Mordor. We look forward to seeing you then. Stand free. Of course, we will not be making any comment on Ryan Kent because only God can judge him. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!